Mate, this is going to be awesome. It's not stayed to come down for that one. Hit him, hit him. It's more than just a hobby, it's who we are. Cracker. That's why we hunt. Welcome to the Educated Hunter Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Ultimate OE. Ultimate OE provides safe, unique hunting-based experiences for passionate hunters and outdoorsmen. From hunting stone sheep in the mountains of British Columbia, rutting moose on the gravel bars of the Yukon, to chasing roaring red stags in the highland of Scotland, Ultimate OE's paid overseas experiences are designed for hunters, by hunters, to maximise enjoyment, learning and experience. For more information, it can be found at ultimateoe.co.nz or flick us an email, give us a call, we're always happy to talk through what kind of hunting adventure would be best for you. For tonight's podcast, I'm joined by Tim Watson. Tim is relatively newly appointed Lower North Island representative for the NZDA, so the New Zealand Deer Stalkers Association. Uh, he also sits on the National Executive Board. The reason I caught up with Tim is he is aware and has taken on, as I guess as a role for himself, to encourage a change in, in the way the NZDA promote themselves and put themselves out there for the public in the hope to increase membership, but also, I guess, put their story and their reasoning in front of the new generation of hunters, which I think matters a lot. You know, Matthew and myself, or the educated hunter in that form, you know, we have a lot of discussion around the fact that our hunting organisations and firearm organisations need to be, I guess, united, but also need to be targeting the consumer's in modern ways now like things have changed and and it's a case of needing to understand that and be part of that and it's important that the likes of the NZDA are continually targeting the newer generation because that's how we get longevity so it was a great chat it's it's very I guess factual Um, it's only a a shorter podcast it's about 40 odd minutes it's largely around what it is the NZDA does why it's important to become members why if you're not a current member, why you should at least very much consider becoming a member, and a little bit around how their message gets delivered, the ability for its members to, I guess, communicate and contribute. So there's a lot of good good information there. We caught up on the, the Saturday night of the Seeker Show, so we both had reasonable days manning booths, but it was it was a really good chat. It was a needed chat, and it's uh, definitely, definitely something that I would hope that we'll get a little trend with some of the other I guess organizations and boards around New Zealand just just so the public can start understanding and a little bit further around what it is these boards and associations do why they do it why it's important the fact that the people doing these largely are unpaid they're volunteers and they do it out of a passion for hunting so you know when you when you narrow it right down to the to the nuts and bolts of why they exist and what they're trying to do and and where their passion lies, it, it sits so closely with all the hunters in New Zealand. And that, that's why it's important that these messages get across. So have a listen. We've got on the on the show notes on the website all the contact details for the NZDA. And please, if you're not a member or you're considering becoming a member, you're an avid hunter, get in touch with your local branch to just see what your requirement might be in terms of finance or time outlay. 
and and really make an educated decision around if it's the right thing for you. And I'm pretty sure it is, but you know, it's got to sit with everybody. I understand that. But please, just the first step would be to very much be considering the idea uh, and then jumping on board and, and supporting your local NZDA. Aside from that, just enjoy the podcast. And again, if you've got any notes or ideas or suggestions, please don't hesitate letting us know. The only way we're going to get this podcast better is is by doing more and learning as we go. Cool. Enjoy the podcast. Uh, welcome, Tim. It's good Jeez. to have you here. We, um, we've just finished the first day of the Seeker Show, uh, which is actually the 25th anniversary, so it was good to see a lot of support there, you know, it was a lot of, it was a good crowd, um, yeah. and it was a pretty interactive crowd I found today in comparative to other years, so that was really good. But mm. I've uh, got Tim here, Tim, I'll let Tim share with you what his role is, but I'm having a discussion tonight with Tim around the NZDA, and I guess, you know, what it, what it intends to do, what it hopes to do, and where it hopes to do it in the future. So we will transition to that, but it, as with all our podcasts, I want to start with the, the pure basics. So Tim, where where did hunting start for you and mm. its origination? Yeah, okay. Um, so hunting started for me as a young, real young fella, um, looking at Dad's al- photo albums from his uh, hunting in the Tararuas, um, and just looking at all the all the little snaps that he'd taken right down through, you know, him him starting at a, as a young guy and then you know becoming a top hunter in the Tararuas and and then doing stuff in the Carwickers, flying trips. You'd see, um, you know, all the typical shots of, you know, flying in with Lakeland Aviation and all that kind of stuff. And then the big trips down to Stuart Island. And, and it really, I guess, that sort of adventure side of hunting, as a young guy, captured my spirit. And my mum would uh, take me to the library every week and I'd get those, you know, popular hunting titles like Philip Holden and, um, you know, Keith Severinsen. And uh, I, I was a real bookworm, so I just lapped that stuff up. And, yeah, so hunting really started for me then. And, and, and Dad would take me out for rabbits and whatnot and took me in for a couple of trips in the Tararuas, which is pretty heavy stuff for a 12-year-old in, in some respects. Tararuas can be pretty daunting sort of a place if you're new to hunting. <laughs> yeah, but um, no, I, 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 I sort of went away for a while when I, was, when I was a teenager. I did a lot of motorbike riding and jumping motorbikes and stuff, but then when that sort of got too dangerous, you know, you get a family and whatnot, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you end up, end up looking at other things that you can do and um, the passion for hunting has always been there and so I, I, I picked it up again. Yeah, that's sort of that's sort of probably my background I suppose mm-hmm. and how I got into it. Hunting now for me is, um, I don't do a huge amount of it. I'd love to do more but with the family and work and all that kind of thing you, you tend to focus on that but I do try and get in out every two or three months, usually into the Howringies or up into the Carwickers. I and every year I try and get down um, once a year. Oh, I've been been down for the last seven years down to um, the South Island to do tar and uh, reds so, um, and shams. So on those sort of bigger week-long adventure sort of style backpacking trips that you do into the backcountry. So yeah, cool. with a focus on the first five years was tar ballot blocks and the last two have been into Otago, into the Hunter Valley sort of region. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. My hometown. Yeah. yeah. Oh, home area at least. That's cool. So I guess... One question for you then, taking a, I guess, a period of time away from hunting, did you see much change in that respect over yeah. that period? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, as you do, you used to read, you know, we have social media now, but back in the day you had magazines and you'd read Rod and Rifle and, for instance, you know, 
I remember reading about, you know, guys were real excited to get like a 10 or 11 inch bull tar, you know, and um, that was sort of pretty exciting stuff and you were lucky to even see them. And now we've, we're into the fortunate position of having enough animals on the hill um, where you've got the quite real possibility of getting, you know, a really decent bull tar. Yeah, um, like 14s and 15s yeah. are now achievable. Like yeah, they're they, big, they're yeah. at the top end, but they're achievable. That's right, that's right. And that's and I think that's pretty pretty awesome. So, you know, I guess we've got, um, we've got the red situation is not the greatest sometimes with you know the amount of wire pressure they get and like for instance in the Hunter Valley this year we saw very low animal numbers um, and and you're finding gut bags on the hill and in a na- in a valley that's named after hunters you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, with a bloodline in there that you know if if it's left pretty to, magic it's yeah if they're left to grow they're awesome mm-hmm. you know so yeah I mean we've got mixed opportunities I guess in New Zealand at the moment mm-hmm. for hunting so mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so I guess one of the, the topics I want to talk about, and it'll lead into the NZDA stuff, you know, taking on a, a role as, your, as yourself with the NZDA, you know, like it takes time, effort, and energy. And wh- why was it important for you to, I guess, put your hand up, be a part of this, mm. you know, the bigger picture? Like what, one, why, why did you, well, endeavour to be in that position? Yeah. And what yeah. is it you, you want to achieve within that? Yep. Okay. Um, so, uh, probably about four so, years. Sorry, we're going to yeah. start with what role that well, what oh, role that is. What role that is? Sorry. Yeah. So the the role I've got is um, I'm the Lower North Island rep for the NZDA. I guess part of that role is liaising with the um, with the Lower North Island branches and being their conduit back into the national executive and being uh, being their voice and then also reporting back to them what the national executive are up to. I run the um, run the Facebook page for NZDA along with uh, Sharon Semin from um, she's from one of the southern branches there, and Gwen Thurlow's. I've just also co-opted him on to help me with the Facebook stuff because there's a real desire to get that as much stuff out on as possible about what we're up to because traditionally NZDA have been doing an awful lot but nobody's really known about it and you know people are either they either read or they don't and you know they either watch tv or they watch radio and depending on our channels and how we're trying to get stuff out there we just haven't been doing that very well so I guess I sort of see what I'd like to sort of see what I'd like to achieve for NZDA is just getting our um getting our voice out there a whole lot more you know it's good to hear that you know because largely you know Matthew and myself as the educator hunter but you know largely we have put a lot of time and I guess internal conversation around the fact that our big hunting organisations or foundations or whatever terminology you want to go around really need to interact more and and there is formats out there nowadays you know and that's you know like you've you're like you've identified and I look forward to sort of seeing it so so I guess as a personal goal you're just hoping to increase an understanding of the NZDA and, and what it stands for and what it's trying to achieve. Yeah, yeah, I'm absolutely, yep. Uh, I see it, we need to be across everything. I think we're, we're, we're well established, like we were since 1937, we've been fighting for hunters' rights and we've been relatively successful in, in that. I mean, you know, we had a big hand in um, preserving the Wapiti in the 60s, a big hand in, you know, the Sam, preserving the Samba in the 80s and the Tar in the 80s, so... 
you know, we've got a we've got a pretty we've got a proven track record there. I mean, we're not. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say we're 100 percent successful at everything we do because we're just not. We've got we've got a bit of a lineage there of being able to fight the big issues, and um, I see us as you know. It's probably one of if, if if people could join us. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but it'd be great to see NZDA become to New Zealand what the NRA is to the USA. You know, so that when these hunting issues crop up, you know, we've got the ability to fight it and fight it to the maximum without you know with a with a large core of hunters behind us um, adding their voice to ours. Because I I guess that's sort sort of what quite interesting. You know, you come to seek a show and there's there's this foundation and that foundation and this foundation and mm-hmm. it's been great to see the tar issue, you know, bring a lot of people unite, together. Yeah. yeah, unite people, yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's sort of what I'd like to sort of see the NZDA be able to achieve is just increased membership, you know, so that we can represent people. Yeah, and I, th- I think largely that will be a byproduct mm. of increasing the communication. And like I and, and we as an educator, we definitely see... There's a lacking across the board, not just NZDA, but across the board of that buy-in and people being the recreational and professional hunters, knowing that they need to commit and helping you to be that common voice. If you know what I mean, like there's all, almost a, a stigma still out there that we daren't share all our details because they might be used against us. Mm. You know, mm. in terms of populations or whatever. Like there's yeah. so many different topics. Of course, and, and I, I think that's where. The real change needs to sit. Like we need, and it's a big change. It's not I'm not putting this solely on your shoulders yeah, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. you know, we need to change the the hunting community to whatever the said voices, be it NZDA or whether they're a, a single seat on the Game Animal Council or whatever yes. the form be. Yep, that they are willing to 100% commit to sharing and giving hmm. for the benefit of what they do. Hmm. Not out of fear of what might happen to what they do, yeah. And that, that's a big mind shift. Like it's not, it's not something that's going to be brought about yeah. easily. No. But I think the only way to go about that, and and it, it sort of ties closely with what we're trying to achieve, is one communication, a, a shift in mindset to listening. Hmm. You know, we need to be able to happily sit within an area where we have an opinion, hmm. but are willing to listen to others. Yep. And understand others like that. That's, that's the very core of where all the stuff begins, I believe. Yeah. No, no, I wouldn't disagree with that at all. I think that's that's spot on. Yep. So just to, because we'll have listeners out here that either one, have never heard of the NZDA, hmm. and, and two, aren't a member of the NZDA. You know, what is it that a recreational or professional hunter could look to to get out of? What is the benefit of becoming an NZDA member? Yeah, I, yeah so the... I guess with the NZDA, the full membership—if you're going to go for full membership, which costs just over a hundred dollars, I think, depending on you know who you who you join with—but up front you get Hunting and Wildlife magazine, which is an online magazine. Um, recently switched to online to save cost to the to the um, to the uh, association, but Hunting and Wildlife has been going for a long, long time. A lot of guys have collected that magazine for years, and you know got vast stockpiles of it, and um, it's been a good good magazine over the time to be the voice of NZDA it's another way of us getting our voice out there and telling guys what we're up to so you got that hunts course uh hunts is a you know basic level hunting level um training course that you, you know people if they want to get on to the first rung of the ladder I suppose for hunting they can do the hunts course and uh, learn from some great instructors learn how to handle mm-hmm. firearms 
learn how to hunt safely and um, and just basically you know be able to do everything that a, a successful hunt would be able to give you I'm under the tutelage of somebody. So that's another another yeah, key I, thing I, we do. I see that as a really important one going forward uh, for a, a few reasons, mm. uh, and one in particular. I actually had two different families come to me today at my booth, mm. and they wanted to know how they go about educating their son yes. when both parents had never had any interest in hunting. So I referred to them to the Hunts program and I was like, and this is you know, the initial stage from that. And then as parents, you could probably look to coincide with another adult that you feel safe and comfortable with so that mm. could become somewhat of a mentor. And, and the, the real basics and foundational stuff can be shared and given. Mm. And then, you know, obviously as said person ages and becomes old enough to have a license and a driver's license and so forth, they can head in whatever form they want to but as yeah. long as the, the real basics are shared yeah and uh, i think it's really important the second reason I, I really advocate the hunts course and especially for youth is we in, in new zealand here we need to really look at encouraging youth and sharing it amongst other families and particularly right now in this generation because we still have an association with hunting hmm. like somebody's uncle still hunts somebody's brother still hunts you know, like as we get another generation away from that, it yep. becomes more and more foreign. And then all of a sudden, whilst we're the minority now, but we really become a minority when we're one or two of generations away from hunting. So right yes. now, while well, we've got this ability to share yeah. to a reasonably responsive audience around hunting, mm. we should be really looking to hammer down on that and, and, yeah. and encourage it. As best and we encourage can. it. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. No, 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 no disagreements there. It's, it's a... It's a key issue when you see, you know, the amount of kids on, you know, electronic devices these days and, you know, I have the same struggle with my boys, you know, hey, look, you need to put that down, get outside, you know, ban the Xbox for a month, you know, you got to get out, you know, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, otherwise we're just going to become this, this sort of, we're setting them up to be a lazy generation that doesn't achieve anything and that's, that would just be terrible. So, yeah, 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 yeah you, no, it would. You know, um, so... And, and it's a, a shift from being, you know, we used to be very rural-based population in New Zealand and, you know, people are, you know, obviously migrating to cities and whatnot, yep, you know. more urbanised. More yeah. urbanised, exactly. And, um, you know, so I see hunting as a way to be able to reconnect with the wild in New Zealand and, you know, because wherever you go, it's only an hour away generally from, mm-hmm. from where you're living. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's a, it's a massive resource. Yeah. Um, I guess f- going on further about, you know, what, Membership, members get, you know, um, we've got public liability insurance. Um, there's $10 million liability insurance there and another $1 million there for rural fires. So if you do have that sort of accident out in the in the bush or whatever, you've got the ability there to, for the NZDA to, you know, cover some of those insurance costs. So mm-hmm. that's quite good. There's a discount on dock annual passes for some, some uh, areas in New Zealand, discount on the Interoranda Ferry. But I guess the the main the main thing that I see is that you're it's a it's a national voice to ensure that hunting in New Zealand has a future and that's that's really what I see the main benefit of being part of NZDA is you you're adding to our voice to be able to you know add real weight when it comes to key issues. issue key issues yeah. So how do you and it probably ties back into your you know our original conversation like how do you get across that to the youth of New Zealand mm. and the and the I guess the recreational hunters that quite possibly have a lot of private farm access and so forth, you know, there's a lot of hunters in New Zealand that mm. have that 
lucky ability. Yeah. But how do we, or how do you, how do we, I don't know, get it to the point where they see the issues as being theirs? Because I think that could be largely a disconnect. Mm. Like, oh, well, I've got lots of deer to shoot. Or yeah. I've got lots of pigs. or You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. Uh, look, I, I, I definitely see, I mean, as, as much as I was saying, it's a bad thing all these kids are on their devices and whatnot. There's also a benefit in that, you know, when they're on Instagram or Facebook, we can put those issues in front of them so that they become educated about, you know, what are the real issues. And the real issues for us, obviously, at the moment is, you know, Minister Sage is, is coming to power and, and is now stamping her authority quite strongly on, you know, all conservation issues. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of, ed- like, it's exactly what this podcast is about. It's trying to educate people, you know, as to the, hey, look, there's there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes of hunting in New Zealand. It's not just something that's, because it's not, that's the problem. It's taken Everybody, for granted. It's taken for granted. It's, as much as we'd like to think it's our right to go out and do it, it, it really isn't. It's not a right, it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And, um, you know, we've got to fight for that privilege. Uh, I'd like to see it come to the point where it is our right and we have herds of you know, special interest, and they're all set up and they're all protected, and then it does become our right to be able to go out and hunt them. But at the moment, all those animals are on the pest list, so, you know, we've got to fight to get them get them off it. Mm-hmm. So do you think, obviously there is some current issue and topic right now, but do you think the, the big fight is actually reclassifying those animals? Um, that- I think it's... Uh, it, 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 that would be a nice to have. I don't see... Uh, I see the main main issue for us is becoming that strong that any politician that would dare to eradicate our animals would mm-hmm. be like, no, that we can't we can't do that. We'd have an absolute crap storm. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. Which arguably it kind of looked that way this week, and exactly since I've fallen on pretty yeah. closed closed. Uh, well, we, well we will, we will see. I mean, uh, you know, some. I mean, there's there's people saying that they'd like to not see it go to court. And there's other people that would, and I, I guess I'm probably on the on the side that would like to see it go to court because, you know, Doc were pushed back pretty heavily on the Lower North Island uh, when the Lower North Island Red Deer Foundation, you know, challenged them in court. Mm-hmm. And NZDA put $10,000 into that court battle, and we were found largely in favour that, you know, hunters hadn't been consulted when it came to more wara and the Rohinis. And it would be good for the tar one in my mind to go to court again because it would say hey look Minister Sage again you didn't consult properly with hunters mm-hmm. you just went ahead there's and already a precedent set there's a precedent set and here we are back in court again what are you doing you know we, we so to my yeah. mind it would be good for that to happen if she's bullheaded enough to do it and she doesn't take on the GAC's latest mm-hmm. latest um, management Proposal. plan yeah you know, then um, I think, you know, she'd be foolish not to take on that plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I guess sort of getting into, I guess, some more specifics around the, the NZDA, you know, because I know we've shared how my initial uh, reception with NZDA was. Yes. But how do, you know, because obviously at the, at the very top of NZDA, in terms of what's written on paper, what you're trying to achieve and, and, and advocate for, how is that filtered down amongst the branches and then amongst the personalities say we're and it's a it's a tough there's not a right or wrong answer but like where personal influences could come in like how do you ensure that as a club and as a national mm. identity how do you ensure that, that that message is really getting across yeah so i guess the the main channels for us are we've got a we've got a inter club newsletter that goes out 
on a pretty regular basis, which sort of sets out, you know, what we've been up to. Um, and I guess for me, even with the Facebook lately, I've been putting out a posts on, you know, simply our policy, mm-hmm. policy on poisons, uh, policy on pol- political allegiance. And, and there is no political allegiance. We align ourselves with with ideas, not with parties, mm-hmm. uh, with good policy. Um, so, yeah, that's sort of... Um, and then, so feeding back to the, the the clubs, every year we hold a conference, and the conference, the national conference, all the clubs get together as um, as many that can make it. You know, all the all the important issues for the for the national executive and for the for the for NZDA discussed, and then also on the wider sort of um, state of hunting in New Zealand, and and that's I guess where where a lot of opinions get formed, um, a lot of natics. You know, opinions uh, get get so rolled just, out. Just for those that are listening, what's the NATEX? Uh, sorry, NATEX is national, short for National Executive. Yeah, sorry, it's one of those acronyms. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're quite familiar with using, but um, yeah, yeah. So NATEX, yeah, get to sort of people have voted onto NATEX. There are um, people that have stepped down. I guess yeah, that's where where a lot of our sort of yeah, a lot of policy gets rolled out as is at conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's got to be. You know, from an outside looking in, that's got to be one area that really needs to be on point. You know, there's yeah. a, you're trying to advocate for a national alliance. Yep. It needs to be a national message, yep. not a personal or regional message, you know. And I, yes. you know, that within, I know you've got a lot of work to do outside of NZDA, but <laughs> yeah. I would imagine within NZDA, that's sort of yes, got to be a, a point of interest. It is, and it's got to come from the top, really. I mean, the, um, you know, we've got to, we've got to be able to say, hey, look, this is, this is our policy, and you know, when you're when you're representing NZDA on a club level, it needs to align with NZDA policy, and it, mm-hmm. it's all there in our um, in our national policy rule book. And mm-hmm. it's actually very simple. If anybody takes the the time to read it, it's not a big heavy document. It's it's not terribly long. You can you can read those read all those rules and see what see if you. A lot of people, not every hunter will agree with them. Everybody's got a differing opinion, but um, I guess when it comes to NZDA clubs, that, those are the rules that we'd like to them to follow. And, mm-hmm. um, it, you know, it, I see a lot of it as being, you know, it's it's rules for, for ethical hunting. I mean, ethical hunting is the Aldo Leopold mm-hmm. saying mm-hmm. that sort of says, you know, the, 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 the hunter, his own... You know, he's the only person that sees his morals basically mm-hmm. when he's out hunting. And, yeah, so we've got to hold ourselves to some pretty high ethics, in my opinion. Yep. Especially in this day and age, where people they don't want to see blood and gore, they don't want to see people killing animals and all this kind of thing. But we, if we, if it's done right and done in a way that's you know respectful of the animal, mm-hmm. that's that's what we need need to promote and show that hey, look, we don't buy our meat off a shelf. We can harvest it ethically. Yeah, we have attachment. Yeah, attachment morally. So that yeah, that's, mm. that's and then it. so another question the listeners will know that I'm an avid pig hunter. Like mm. the name itself lends itself to deer, but uh, of course, you know, is it? It's surely for every form of hunting in New Zealand. It, it is, yeah. Look, I mean, um, I think you know, retrospectively, if they had to choose the name again, they probably would have done something a bit more down the middle Across of the road the board, of hunting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that was what they chose back in the day. I think it would be a in my opinion, it would be a mistake to change now. We, we are a pretty reasonably strong brand. Everybody knows or has usually heard of NZDA. So mm-hmm. it's a, a, it's probably more about us being able to present NZDA as for all hunters 
you know, yeah. that's where it'll fall over if it's going to fall over is our ability to communicate properly. And I guess communication is always two ways. Mm. So the people that are attending meetings, you know, just as a member, do they get the, you know, are their voices heard? Like, how, like, is it a real platform for them to raise issues, be heard? Yeah. Within, you know, like constructively, not, yes. not just abusively. Well, look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, 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 there's definitely going to be, there's a lot, I mean, I hear of a lot of um, good experiences in NZDA where guys are in, you know, the strong clubs that, I, that I'm involved with and have heard of, you know, they're, they're not click-based. So mm-hmm. there's no clicks. The guys can come in, they get welcomed, then they try to get them integrated as soon as possible. And I guess that's sort of what is the key to, you know, people being comfortable enough when they join NZDA to be able to say, hey, look, I think this. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're comfortable in that environment, you're going to be able to speak up and, yeah. and say what you need to say. Um, yeah, so, I mean, I guess for, for myself, like, I haven't been, a, you know, an, a member all my life by any means, I guess, what was the catalyst for me to sort of join NZDA was I I was sort of concerned that there was no sort of platform for New Zealand hunting to be shown off in a museum sense, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw, you know, come from Wellington, it's a pretty strong place as far as museums are concerned. And then if you go into Tapapa, you know, all you'll see on the walls is, you know, how these animals are pests and they need mm-hmm. to be destroyed and this is our valuable plants and birds and you know everything's got to be sacrificed on their altar pretty pretty much so we we me and my dad bought Viv Donald's um 280 Ross that he shot the first whoppity with and cool yeah it's cool <laughs> it's very cool yeah and um it, it, it amazed me I, I was amazed that we were even able to buy the thing you know and for the price that it sold for and and when we got it I was like man this is just gonna my dad's got a great gun room and if it sits in there it's like it's not going to be seen by anybody, you know, and, mm-hmm. and not going to be appreciated. This is, I mean, it's it's, it's a iconic. cool, yeah, it's yeah. iconic. It's shot the first whoppity, you know, like. And I, as a young fella, if I could go to a museum and see that on the wall, I just would have, I would have yeah, thought yeah. that was awesome, you know. So that sort of, I, I, I went along to NZDA because I knew a couple of the guys there and said, I brought the rifle along and said, you know, hey, is there anything being done, you know, about getting some of our stuff in front of people, you know? And um, they pointed me to the National Heritage Trust, and I guess I got involved with those guys first. And um, the National Heritage Trust of the NZDA is tasked with the sort of the conserving all the valuable and old items of NZDA, and so future generations could enjoy it. Basically, mm-hmm. um, they've got a museum project come upcoming that where they'd like to be able to put all this stuff in front of people. You know, so, so that's really where I got involved. And Wellington Branch is the branch that I that I joined at the time and I quickly sort of saw I was as a young guy coming in I was probably going to get more out of it if I joined committee to be perfectly honest it's that eight old adage where you where you know you only get out what you put in I sort of see like you know as a young guy coming in it was actually it was enlightening for me to get into a club scenario where you have you know you get onto this board and you're you're able to vote on things you're able to say your opinion and 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 basically hear about other other people's opinions to to sort of form your own and and and, and develop your own knowledge of hunting. And and I met an awesome awesome bunch of characters along the way, you mm. know. Um, yeah, the characters are there. I yeah. Gordon at the booth last night. Obviously, one there's that stonking big whoppity there, and yes. there's a stonking big chamois and so forth. And uh, 
I don't know how those goddamn old ladies and old men convinced me, but I ended up buying a lot of books. Um, yes. And they, uh, I wanted to buy the books, but uh, it was just good having a chat with them, you know, yeah. like what it meant to them and, and what they were trying to achieve. And I don't know, like, it's awesome. It's awesome to see that. Like, yeah. I think the passion, that, the passion, the passion matters. Still you know? there. Like, yeah. we, we live in a world where we don't appreciate passion enough. No. Like, you know, and it's, I just think it's awesome. So. Yeah, no, they're, they're cool people. And a lot of the names I saw there, I'd read in hunting books, and I remember thinking, oh, this is actually the guy I read about when I was a kid, you know. like, And I've, I've got to meet some amazing people in NZDA, like Ian Wright, he was a past president, an Australian guy, but he you know, an enormous wealth of knowledge about what NZDA have done in the past, but just about hunting in New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and Albie Frampton, he's another guy. Done some huge epic missions across Fiordland, and if you, I guess, part of you know what I've always tried to do, even when I was out of NZDA, is actually you know have the time for old people and mm. you know listen to them. It's it can be it can be it can be hard sometimes when you don't have a, a certain amount of patience. Yeah, but, yeah. but what you can learn off them is uh, is incredible, especially for hunting, because like if you know hunting is not unless you're born with super amounts of natural talent. Hunt, you can pick up a lot of stuff from old guys mm. that've been there, been up that valley. They know how to hunt certain areas, and especially for like we've mentioned Fiordland a couple of times. I've never done Fiordland, but what I do know is if you're going to go down there, you better have done your research. So yeah, you, that's what I've done. I've always yeah. gone to the oldest guy I knew in my town. Yeah, that I'd known had been to Fort Fiordland. Yep, and got his blueprint, and it was to the point. Like this is where you'll camp. This is where you'll try get on this game trail. Like, and it's yes. you know, like, and then I have actually also done a trip without that information, mm. and it was yeah, the, the polar opposite of yeah, experience. Yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, you know, I I I hundred percent agree. You know, like there's a lot of knowledge in those that have done it before, mm. and in any form, like not not yeah, only hunting, of like of any form. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's so when it comes to the NZDA. Like how many members are there? Um, there's roughly eight thousand members. Yeah, or, yeah. I think people have the perception that NZDA is much, much bigger, and you know, and believe you know that enough's being done. Enough's being done. You know, this is the other thing. You know, Natex, um, the national executive. There's eight guys on that. You know, and and, and for them to do, they all they're all volunteers. They all work, or they're um. Or they're just very involved in family life. There's some of the older guys, you know, and so they're they're giving up their time. And people say, "Oh, what have you been doing on this? What have you been doing on that?" And you you you, you go back to them and say, "Well, oh, we've we've definitely been doing stuff." And and I guess that's again, you know, people have come back and said, "What have you been doing?" And it's a matter of us being able to say, "Hey, look, we've been doing a lot, and we need to get it out in front of them more," you know? Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. Because what? Well, I guess. There's no set figure on where you want to get to, is there? You just no, there isn't. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know roughly sort of the average age and and where you need to no. really put time and effort in? You know, no, no, we don't. I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I, I, I know, looking at our Wellington branches, where I see most of our members, and then I also go to the 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 regional meeting that I went to um, uh, a couple of weeks ago. We the the average age is sort of. If I was to take a guess across that, it would be sort of like anywhere from, you know, late 30s to, to sort of, you know, late 50s. And then you got your older guys that are the stalwarts of the of the clubs, you know, that are, you know, there's always a, at, for Wellington Branch, for instance, there's always five or six guys that turn up to club night who are, you know, well over that age and they're still there. They're the diehards, you know. So they're an ageing, they're definitely an ageing membership. 
So just, yeah. I guess, hearing those, and I know it's only a, an assumption based on the clubs you see. It's not yeah. a, a, a fact. Yeah. Is there a lack of next generation? You know, like assuming if you're talking mid to late 30s and older, mm. then I guess statistically probably got children or thereabouts. Like, do you, you know, is it? A, I, I know you can say, well, yes, hunting is less desirable in terms of a passion, but is there... A, disconnect there like are they are they trying to encourage their children in or is it yeah yeah a lot of guys have that you, you have a family membership and you can sign up all your the rest of your family for like only two bucks each i think it is it's, mm-hmm. it's very minimal so you can get them on board i guess I, what i've sort of said before about you know what i see at club nights that's just at club nights you have a whole lot of nzda members that just don't attend club nights so a lot of those young guys we won't see them um, mm-hmm. necessarily they're out hunting doing the hard yards or whatever I'd have to look at probably have to look at them. Oh, look, I've only been on Natex. This is for about since, since national conference, which I think was July. So, and now it's you're the newbie. I'm the newbie, very much the newbie. <laughs> yeah. um, How'd you end up with this job? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. was a long story. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, that's good, and I, I agree that possibly again because it's only on assumptions, the the lack of actual early mid teens, early twenties, you know, coming to the meetings could be just sort of that distraction in that age group you know like it's yeah yeah i look back to myself but i did start going to meetings in my early 20s but it was yeah it was, know, it's hard work there, well, yeah and it there was possibly even some ego in it like i was going there because i'd been successful yes. you know like it wasn't, oh, yeah. wasn't purely from a real give back yeah uh, point of view i guess that's again without keep going over the same subject you know that's where that social media aspect and giving back because you know yes. i kind of wondered if and this is only a personal thing, like, but if there was online versions of perhaps the national meetings, so everybody, yep. whether they attended monthly, you know, community or regional meetings, they kind of knew bigger picture what was going on, what was trying to be achieved, and yeah, yeah, we've definitely recognised that, you know, full membership to a branch is not everybody's cup of tea, and you know, we need to, we've we've just decided that we've always had a mechanism there for people to be able to join as a supporter, and we need to pump the tyres of that system a whole bunch more because well, people need to be able to lend their voice to NZDA but not necessarily have to commit to doing everything that NZDA does. Yep. So that that's like a $10, basically as a supporter you get you, you pay your $10, it lends your name to our voice so that when we go back to you know government or whatever we can say hey look we don't just have 8,000 members we've got all these, all these yep. other people too. And, and, and what we'll do is what we've decided is that you know everybody will, if they give us their email they they go onto our mailing list so that everybody not only do you see us on Facebook or Instagram but then you get all the nitty gritty stuff that you know that happens at national level that everybody can see what we're actually yeah. doing and on their behalf for hunting in New Zealand. So. Yeah, no, that's cool. So I guess after today, like mm. that we had the seeker show and it's very topical at the moment. There's a couple of big issues, you mm. know, like what is in particular, the the, the tar mm. proposed cull. Like, what has NZDA been working hard behind the scenes? Is there something that, like, say, the public don't know about? And I, I know you're always working with, but kind of cover yeah. that. But is there something that's actually going on? So listeners right now can go, oh, actually, they, they do need my support. You know, yeah, like, yeah. Like, okay, so when it all when it all blew up, part of part of what we needed to do right away is state what our stance was and. Our, you know, our stance was that was communicated first to to the doc to doc on the um, 
at the TAR interest group meeting down south by Bill O'Leary. He's our uh, past president. Bill basically said, hey, look, you know, we've got big concerns about the amount of numbers of TAR um, that you're proposing to shoot. And, um, you know, how... You know, we need to have more discussions about you know whether whether this number that you're proposing is a suitable suitable number. So it was that, and also for us, bulls should be off the table. Um, they shouldn't be getting shot. Well, not if the, the not if the intention is management. Yeah, that's you know right. I mean? like, that's, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was communicated straight away. So then we had the letter that made everything blow up. Basically, you know, got sent to all the parties in that interest group and it blew up on social social media. So pretty much straight away everybody's running around going, What can we do? In a flap. You know? <laughs> yeah, in the flap, you know. So it became you know, we've got some pretty a couple of the guys on the New Zealand Tar Foundation are NZDA members, Snow Hewitson, um, is one of them, Dave Hodder, another influential guy on that is 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 a long time NZDA member. So we're right in there with those guys and mm-hmm. Snow's on the Natex board. So like he's basically the emails are coming thick and fast. Like I think, you know, this week I've probably had about three hundred emails about different things. <laughs> <laughs> so you're trying to keep on board with that. But yeah, so so one of the one of the key things is is you you know, we get them get the word out to all our clubs because we've got so many people in our clubs that are passionate about tar so basically we we said look this is this is all this it's basically collating everything that's been been said at these meetings mm-hmm. and comparing that to what sage is saying or doc is yeah. saying and sending it back to our membership and saying this is this is what it actually means we're going to see a huge reduction in tar potentially yeah. right back to like pre-1980 levels and nobody wants to see that so it was a it was a matter of saying, hey, look, we need to be able to fund an injunction. Pretty quickly, we went back as Wellington branch. Um, me, myself, and Gwyn Thurlow and um, a couple of other key guys from Wellington branch. Sort of, we said, look, we we've got to be able to give these Tar Foundation guys the ability to just go and engage lawyers mm-hmm. and say and talk to them and say this is what we need to do to get the injunction running. And we gave them basically a an underwrite to say, hey, look, you know, you guys get on with it. Mm-hmm. So they're right there and then there's a, you know, there's the NZDA making a huge difference, yeah. you know, saying get on with it, guys. If you yeah. need to go and take Doc and Sage to court, you do it. Yeah, um, that's so, a that's a massive one. You it, know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You know, almost <laughs> without adding emotion to it, I feel sorry that the general public don't know that that's where NZDA really first up put their hand in you know that's a massive yeah it's huge. helping hand you Ma- know? money like wise the foundation's done yeah. a lot like don't, i'm not distracting from what they're doing and have done but yeah to have a power mm. to come in from behind and sort of say hey, just go for it we we will back you like it's a it's a really big it's massive you know? yeah yeah and, uh, and that's what nzda is about and, we, and and just so that you know we've had huge support from all our clubs around the country you know if i read the email you know there's just thousands of dollars that each club has pledged to saving the tar and to, to basically stopping this cull because they just see the importance of this animal to New Zealand and they want to see it. It's not going to get peeled back and just... Because, I mean, they've got the, got the leader of the Greens there joking in, in Parliament that they're going to be exterminated. Well, is he really joking? And is it the right format? You're not allowed to joke about anything now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's right. Sort of how come it fits for other things. So I guess... 
Because I don't want to bog it down about no, all no. current issues. Like, yeah, you know, this is about NZDA. But so when we refer to issues like this, does the NZDA, I guess, look elsewhere, like internationally or di- from different organisations and foundations and whatnot, to see what were key topics or issues elsewhere and what was done about it and, and trying to learn from others? Yeah, I guess that's probably a um, that's probably a, a good question. I mean, me being relatively new, I, I can't say if they ever have. I do know that Trevor Chappelle, he is very open to, like, getting the best sort of policy out there and, you know, as far as, you know, what's the best way to go forward. So he's, he's very much about, you know, just from the short time that I've spent with him is, is getting getting the best people to go out and do the job for NZDA. So I think we've got a, in some respects, we've got a great model in the, you know, right here in our own doorstep is Fjord and Wapiti Foundation, what mm-hmm. those guys have been able to do mm-hmm. and achieve and um, has really been a, as a great model for any herd of a special interest in New Zealand. So, and, um, you know, I, I, we've got the ability to, you know, to go and, with 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 successful organisations overseas now, you can actually go on you know, with the internet. You can go and have a look at and see how they're set up, mm-hmm. see how they fund themselves, see how they advocate, and all this kind of thing. So, I think it would be foolish for us to just you know just try and do everything the same way we've been doing it because yeah. and use our comparative youth mm. as you know like well okay in any other form the youth look to learn from elders. Mm. So if you put that into a country perspective, like there's all these other countries that are elders in that form, you know. Yeah, and that's right. And they're doing game. Ma- they're doing game. Great job of game management. Yeah, and, and, and some haven't. Yeah, but that lesson was learnt there. It's kind of yeah. like watching your older older brother touch the hot stove. You go, well, that didn't work. Yeah, you know, like it's real. We can simple it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I do. I advocate the fact that we should be looking internationally at what yeah. did and didn't work. And Maybe I should co-opt you in, and you can start well you've got yeah. the insights that's sort yeah, of yeah, the, no no, no i'm that. definitely willing to help where i can yeah, um yeah. and i guess so wrapping it up you know i think it's been a good chat i think we've shared with new zealand and, and the other listeners you know the value in nzda and mm. and you know what it's trying to achieve and that there will be some changes you know coming forward and part thereof changes come about by those that join the club and maybe ask for more mm. you know what I mean it's, mm. you can't just sort of sit back and sort of say I don't want to be a part of it because of said reason yeah like join it and, and try and promote that change yep. yeah for sure but what do you think you know like where do you see the future I know I know you've got mm. things you want to try and achieve but what what would in your mind right now what is NZDA going to be in the future in the future um, yeah look if I have my <laughs> if I have um if I can have any influence on, you know, the way NZDA goes in the next yeah, few years, it'll be it'll just be that we get a lot more youth um, interested in in joining NZDA, whether that's full membership or supporter or whatever, and 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 basically, you know, becoming such a big voice in New Zealand for hunters that it just can't be ignored by any politician in the future. And if mm-hmm. you know, if you want to be if you want to be on side with hunters in New Zealand, you need to be on side with NZDA as far as a political mm-hmm. angle. Mm-hmm. That would be the biggest goal for, well, yep. personally for me, is that's where I'd like to see us be. I'd like to see us be the biggest um, advocate for hunting in New Zealand. Awesome. Mm. Well, I've really enjoyed uh, the chat, Tim. You know, it's been good. I've learned a little bit. I think, again, you know, just really important that we start getting the New Zealand hunting community to see the value in 
mm. organisations and, yeah. and so forth, associations and that. I guess, you know, typically I would close up by saying, how do we follow you? But really, I guess, and correct me if I'm wrong, from here, mm. like checking out the NZDA website, yeah, regional yeah, yeah. clubs. Yep, for sure. So we've got a, we've got a Facebook page, search for, search for NZDA on, on Facebook. Um, search for the NZDA Heritage Trust on Facebook. We we every every week or two weeks we put up a photo from the good old days, black and whites of all the, the our most sort of iconic hunters and iconic hunting photos that you that you'd hope to see. You know, mm-hmm. so that's it's it's like yeah, it's it's quite neat to be able to see not only where NZDA is going to, but where they've been. Yeah, where they've come from. Where they've come from. We're on Instagram. Check us out on Instagram. Yeah, that's that's. I think we've got a, a page that um, a full full page in uh, New Zealand Guns and Hunting magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, that's every month, uh, so keep in touch on there. And um, also too, um, if you we've got our we've got a new um, website being rolled out, hopefully before the end of the year. It's always it's been quite hard to sort of join NZDA in the past, simply because it's 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 the old paper based sort of format, mm-hmm. you know, where you fill it out, write it back, and we're going to a new online membership CRM, and um, that's going to be rolled out soon. So it's just going to be easier to join NZDA, basically, cool. and, and keep in touch with us. Yeah, awesome. Well, they're, I mean, they're all good changes. So there you go. Like, get out there and join up, really. That's all I can sort of advocate. And uh, we'll also put all those links to the the pages and the websites awesome. on, on the bottom of these notes. So, you know, if people are scrolling through on, on, the, on the computer, they can find that and just quickly link through to them and... And mm. go and check them out. But thank you very much for your time. No, uh, thanks for the opportunity. It. It's been yeah, it's really good. And yep. to be honest, I've read, I've listened to a few of your podcasts now, and it's, it's stellar work. So yeah, well, uh, we're learning. Uh, we're, yeah, we're, no. we're trying. You know what I mean? It's good. It's, it's good. Yeah. No, thank you. No, not a problem. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Educated Hunter podcast. If you would like to receive a short email from us once a fortnight that contains everything that we've found interesting, educational, entertaining or inspiring within the hunting world, as well as updates on relevant hunting issues, our on-the-ground initiatives and any upcoming events, please visit theeducatedhunter.com forward slash join. You can also check us out on Instagram at theeducatedhunter or finally join the conversation in the Educated Hunter Facebook group. The links for all this can be found below in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening and catch you on the clearing.